Hi, everyone, and welcome back to episode seven of the Simply Well Podcast. I'm your host, Colin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. How are we doing, everybody? We're just a couple of best friends who are passionate about all things pop culture. If you're looking for lukewarm takes on movies, video games, or TV shows, we've got the show for you. And this week, we're actually going to take a look at the first two seasons of the HBO series, Barry. Uh, The third season premieres on Sunday, April 24th. So when this episode comes out, that'll be the the following Sunday. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we thought it'd be a good time to catch up on the first two seasons and just kind of think about where the third season might take us. Now, the nice thing for me is that I've seen this like, this would be my third time watching it because I had to get you caught up. And so there were scenes where like, you would freak out. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember like (laughs) when I saw that the first time, you know, (laughs) I remember when I was your age. I remember when I had my first beer. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, there's one scene in particular where you were over there, like, flopping around on the couch, like, what? I know. I was just losing my fucking marbles. <laughs> and it's nice because I'm able to, like, prime you for something where I'll be like, this next scene had me shitting bricks. And you're like, oh, I know. No, what is it? You know? <laughs> and then, you know, it just might not even pay off. And, like, you'd be asking me questions and speculating, and I have to give you, like, the most neutral face I can and shrug my shoulders at you. Maybe like, I don't know. But the thing is, is like all of them, everything I speculated was wrong and it took a total yeah. curveball from what I was thinking. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Because it it's 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 unpredictable without being like, okay, that was just a twist, like for the sake of a twist. You know right. what I mean? Um but we'll get more into that. I'm really excited to jump into it, but first we gotta talk about um the National Treasure series on Disney Plus. Percy okay. Jackson uh, has been cast for the Disney Plus series as well. Um, and then the uncertain future of the Wizarding World. And then Warner Brothers Discovery is looking to like really shake up uh, DC Studios. Yeah. So if you're ready, yeah. we'll, we'll jump into all that. Yeah, let's hop right in. So the National Treasure Disney Plus series uh, is oh. currently filming, actually, in Louisiana. Do you, do you hear that? <laughs> what? Oh, my goodness. Were you trying to fart? Oh, no, did you not hear it? I cracked a cold one. Oh, no, huh? it didn't come through. Bastard. Yeah, no. Sorry, bub. So Wait. anyways, <laughs> yeah, it interrupted me for nothing. Uh, no, so the National Treasure Disney Plus series is currently filming in Louisiana. Uh, so the series on paper doesn't sound like it's connected very much to the original two films, but it has been toted as like ex- being an expansion of that world. It's got the same general theme of like treasure hunting for like some Pan-American treasure, right? So it's going to be probably deeply steeped in, you know, American history and things like that. Um, The series stars Lisette Alexis, who seems to be a relative unknown, um, and she's in in the lead role. And the first hard connection to the original films actually comes with the recent announcement that Justin Bartha will be reprising reprising his role as Riley Poole, which is the, the best friend. Yeah, yeah. And there's no details yet as, like, story-wise, what his involvement is, how many episodes he'll be in. He might just be a little cameo. But, so, you know, he'll be involved in some fashion. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really good. Uh, I love the National Treasure movies. I've only seen... I've only seen, I think, like, one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's been a minute, but from what I remember, I, I remember thinking, like, it was a really good movie. It was really interesting. Yeah. We'll have to watch them because I haven't seen them in a long time, so it'll be nice to like go back to them. Yeah, and refresh um, on it. Yeah. 
and like it's nice because Nicolas Cage is in them, and he's kind of been in and out recently. I feel like he's ha- been having more um, good movies again. Yeah, for especially a while with there. the what's the new movie coming out with Nicolas Cage? Oh God, yeah, it's like the the crushing weight of incredible talent or something like that with him and the Dinger unbearable Pascal. weight of massive massive talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's just playing Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm so excited for it because it looks just like a gag, but I mean, it genuinely yeah. looks good. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see the Disney Plus series, and maybe it'll kind of like revamp interest in the property, and we might finally get the third movie. Which, that would be pretty cool. Because the second problem. movie does kind of end on, not like a cliffhanger, but like the implication that there is another treasure hunt that they're going to go on. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh man, I wonder what that was going to be. And they figure that came out in like 2007, maybe. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's it's long. Like, we, I'm I'm ready for it. Like, give it to me. Um, any more thoughts on that? I don't want to rush through, but you know, we do have a lot to talk about, so I don't want to hang up either. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really don't have a whole lot to say just because I haven't seen that. You know, first off, all of the national treasures or two, I haven't seen it in a minute. Um, right. But yeah, so I'll definitely have to re- catch up on that. Uh, Watch, you know, probably rewatch the first one, watch the second one, and then, you know, go from there. Yeah. So, Walker Scobell has been cast as the title role for Disney Plus's Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. Um, obviously, Walker uh, had his first major role starring as the young Ryan Reynolds in The Atom Project. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he apparently auditioned for this series like months before that movie landed on Netflix. So it's kind of nice okay. that they got a they got a fresh look at him, and then with like the success of the Adam Project, and you know everybody praising him as being able to like balance the you know being an intelligent person and the funny and still be a kid and all that, right? Right. Yeah. And, absolutely. Uh, that you know now they got to like oh shit that kid's that kid auditioned pull pull his tape again pull his tape again <laughs> you yeah know what I mean like, let's take another look at that shall we? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so this series obviously is based on the book series of the same name. And it follows a 12-year-old boy who discovers he's a demigod. Uh, and as he's kind of coming to terms with those demigod powers and such, Zeus straight up tells him, like, accuses him of stealing his master lightning bolt. And so Percy and his buds have to travel across America to try and find Zeus's lightning bolt and restore order to Olympus. And actually, the nice thing is, like, the author of the novel series is acting as an executive producer, as well as he is writing the pilot episode of the series. So, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so it's nice that he's got some pretty major involvement because um, the movies were released like in the late 2000s and they mm-hmm. were kind of met with kind of mixed reviews from fans of the books because there were quite a few changes made yeah. um, to the story and the characters. Uh, for first one being that they aged up all the characters. So it is nice that they're getting a kid to play a 12-year-old kid as opposed to going, well, to appeal to teens, we need to make them all 17, you know? I will say, and I'll take this to my grave, I think... The first Percy Jackson, um, you know, the Maze Runner. I think I'm. We, we talked about this before, and mm-hmm. the Divergent series, phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm, the, I don't know about the Divergent series. I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. I haven't read any of the books, so right. I don't know. But uh, just from the movie, I thought they're pretty interesting. Yeah, I do think it's odd how there was like just an explosion. Not odd, but like what a weird subgenre of movies where it's like. We're gonna take any young adult novel series and attempt to adapt it to screen, right? And obviously, it was it was because uh, Harry Potter and Twilight were super successful, and then they went, okay, well, let's try it with Hunger Games, 
And when Hunger Games went off, they were like, fuck, we're in. Like, that's it. Yeah, we're run so it, Run it. And then literally any young adult novel got at least the first book made into a movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, there was just too many of them. And uh, some of them didn't pay off, and some of them were decent. Like you said, the first uh, Maze Runner is really good. I remember mm-hmm. liking Scorch Trials. Well, I, uh, yeah, th- I will say, uh, <laughs> uh, was it The Cure? Uh, the Death Cure, yeah, the third one. Death Cure. Not, not that one was, meh, yeah, it was okay. Um, but yeah, the first two, mwah, chef's kiss, you know, like, <laughs> I just, to this day, like, I gotta find them on either Blu-ray or I buy them digitally, I don't know, but like, I just, yeah, I need to yeah, have them in my know. life again. Yeah, and I remember, what was it, they made an I Am Number 4 movie, which I don't remember anything about it, but I know that there's like seven of those books, so obviously, and considering there aren't any other movies, that one didn't do too well. Nah, I don't even think I've seen it, never heard of no. it. Uh-uh. But yeah, um, so I'm excited to see a series, because I think, uh, and it's always the case anymore, I feel, is that a lot of times a series is a better platform for like an, 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 an adaptation of something that's you know long form like a book or a video game, where it's like mm-hmm. yeah we can you know take us take our time with a series and, and right. really look at it as opposed to having to cram everything down into you know ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to that just because one uh, seeing Walker performing that would be very interesting because from the Adam Project he's a very talented kid. Um, right. So I'm Pretty excited bad. to see. Yeah, very excited to see. Uh, the new take that they're going to go with it, as well as them being younger. So obviously, you know, like in the first one, they fight uh, the the Minotaur or something like that. Yeah. And he's he's a little older, so he has a little more upper body strength to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for this one. He is going to be more of a kid. So how okay. is that? How is yeah. he going to work with that? And again, just the fact that the original author is so involved with the series makes yeah. you go, okay. You would you would yeah. hope that because it's someone who is so personally connected to it, that he would want it to be as you know. As faithful as he could be. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So the third film in the five picture Fantastic Beasts plan, right? So they they were like right off the bat, Warner Brothers, when they made the Fantastic Beast film, it was like, boom, we're going to do five movies. And uh, (laughs) this third one, uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore, or yeah, Secrets of Dumbledore, uh, has opened to a franchise low $40 million on a reported $200 million budget. Ooh. So it's looking at an international opening of like 170 million, mm-hmm. which is still less than the budget. Yep. <clears throat> and for and for like a big blockbuster movie, typically you look for them to make back the base budget in their opening weekend internationally. Yeah. Um, you know, we're like if it's a if it's a 200 million dollar movie, I always say you know you double that for marketing. Mm-hmm. So we'll call this a 400 million dollar movie. And right now it's sitting on 120, you know, 70 million dollars. That's not that is, that is significantly less. I don't yeah, know if wolf. you're a mathematician or not, but that that is a doesn't smaller check number. out. It doesn't yeah. check out. And this is honestly a continuation of uh, a series trend for the Fantastic Beasts. Um, the first movie opened to 73 million, and then its sequel, uh, The Crimes of Grindelwald, opened to 62 million, and now this one opening at the 40 million domestically. And a lot of people seem to be trying to, mostly fans of the series, are trying to point towards the pandemic as like potentially a, you know, a box office dampener, right? However, I would counter and say that three other sequels have launched in like the last six months to larger openings than their predecessors. So like 
Venom, Let There Be Carnage, did bigger numbers than Venom uh, during the pandemic. Spider-Man No Way Home, obviously, was like, what was it? What did we decide? Like, the sixth largest opening of all time. Yeah. And then Sonic uh, the Hedgehog 2 had a pretty large opening. It did, um, I think it did more in its opening weekend than Morbius did in its. So let's just dunk on Morbius again real quick. I hear real quick before we do that because I'm all for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard. For <laughs> I had a buddy who went and saw Sonic Two, and he just kind of went <laughs> just because he's like, "Fuck it, why not?" But he was like, "I left there, and I was like, this was fuck that was good. This was like good. Like it's a kids I've, movie. I've but, like, heard, yeah, it's it's good. So I was like, shit, maybe I gotta watch <laughs> the first and second one. I, I didn't put this in the news because it was just kind of basically a factoid, but I did read that. Um, Right behind Sonic the Hedgehog, Uncharted the movie just became the second highest grossing uh, video game adaptation of all time. Yeah, yeah. And so you figure Sonic the Hedgehog 1 is still is the number one highest grossing video game adaptation. So there is something there, obviously. I didn't see it, but obviously enough people liked it that word of mouth was good on it. Um, And so, yeah. But again, yeah, so that's three sequels right there that in the middle of the pandemic did big numbers. So I, I don't think it's a pandemic issue. I think it's a, um, just a, there's not a need there. The, uh, the Potter brand doesn't seem to be holding anymore. <clears throat> yeah. And I think it is, I remember, it, it is an attempt. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I remember when the first one came out, I remember hearing some of my friends talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even know a second one came out. And then yeah. I saw the third one, and I was like, man, this looks like trash. Um, yeah. I mean, I saw the first two with my wife, because she is a, a big Potterhead. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like, the first one was pretty, like, it was above mid, but below good, right? And yeah. the the sequel was not good. <laughs> Crimes of Grindelwald was not good. And then, obviously, like you said, the trailers, like, first of all, they dropped a trailer and I saw it and it was like coming in April. And I was like, oh, fuck, really? Like, that's next month. I didn't even know it was that soon. And it didn't look good. So I had no desire to go see it. My wife, who's a big Potter fan, was like, oh, did you see that Fantastic Beasts came out? I was like, oh, yeah, I did see that. So she wasn't, it wasn't even on her radar enough for her to be like, that comes out next week, baby. We got to go see that. Right. So I, I don't know if it's a failure of marketing or if it's a combination of things. I know that. J.K. Rowling's kind of been in some hot water with some of her her stuff that she's tweeting out um, being being less than savory, and so I don't know if it's a combination of her causing damage to the brand, and then everything going on with Johnny Depp, where they've recast him. Um, I know that a lot of people were upset about that. Oh, uh, which is kind of a hot button I want to touch on, but I do yeah. want to talk about Johnny Depp. Um... You know, I'll let you finish what you're saying real quick, but I want to hop on. <laughs> just, just be careful. I don't. I'm not trying to walk into a minefield. No, 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 no. Uh, but no, I mean, I just think lukewarm reception to, you know, the sequels, and then this most recent entry, obviously getting middling reviews as well. It's just, I, I don't think, I don't think they're making good enough movies, and then there's not enough interest in the brand that it's just, it's petering out. And basically, uh, some of the close sources are saying that right now. That five picture deal is not solid right now. Like they're not <laughs> sure they're going to keep going. Um, you know, they're like they they came off the front being like, 
yeah, we're making five of these bangers. And then they didn't, they, it turns out they were not bangers. And now they're going, let's just see how this third one does before we decide yeah, if we make two more. See what we're doing here. Yeah. Cause I mean, think about it. If they make two more $200 million movies, that's, that's a lot of cheddar that they're just throwing into the wind. Right. As well as I know JK Rowling has just been, you know, putting a lot of stuff out there that doesn't necessarily make sense or needs to be said. Like yeah. a good one is like, she tweeted, I forget how long ago, but basically saying that Dumbledore was gay or part of the LGBTQ community, right. anything like that. And it's not that I'm against that, but I was like, literally Dumbledore has like no affairs and like is not brought up with any sort of like romance or anything mm -hmm. along those lines. So I was like, so if they said maybe like, I don't know, Hermione or any of the other characters who might have like some sort of love interest, that would make sense. Not before, but I was like, I feel like Dumbledore is like celibate. I don't know. Like I just, you know, like I just don't. <laughs> I don't picture him as a sexual being. Right. Yeah. So I was just like, it like doesn't... a sea cucumber, you know. <laughs> he just he just grows another one and it falls off. Right. Yeah. So I just I, that really confused However, me. Right? I do think that um, from from my understanding that kind of vaguely comes up in this third movie because he and Grindelwald are supposed to have been. Grindelwald is who he's supposed to have been uh, romantically involved with. I see. Well, if they tie that in, then so be it. Then I understand it at that point. But right, I said that she tweeted that like a couple years ago. So I mean, you're a little. Oh well, yeah, it, I think man. it's more than a couple years ago. Yeah, so, I think it's like the better part of ten years ago. Yeah, so it's like you know, when, come on, what are you doing? Yeah. But no, for. The real quick, I just want to touch on Johnny Depp. I've been like mm -hmm. completely blind to the whole situation that's been happening with him and um, for, you know, Amber Heard. Um, yeah. And you know, trying to look at this as a very unbiased standpoint, mm -hmm. um, it just the whole situation seems tricky, and I'm very unfortunate because you know both of them are very talented actors and you know actor and actress. But um, yeah. yeah, it breaks my heart to see stuff like that going on, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I was getting drug out. Yeah, I was. Yeah, and that's the thing that kind of makes me sad is how long it's been going on. And uh, you know, personally, I, I I can't see Johnny Depp doing anything like that. But then again, you know, you don't see a lot yeah, of you people don't know things. Right, exactly. You don't know any anybody. You know, you, you don't know what's going on behind the curtains. Um, yeah. But I hope just either way they're both able to <laughs> walk then, away yeah. from it and be okay. And then there's you know the the counter allegations where. Maybe it was her. And again, you don't know. You don't see the home. And so you just, you know, you feel you, you would hate to think that either one of them or both of them are lying or telling the truth. And, mm -hmm. you know, only one of them might be receiving punishment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah, I think it's 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 easy to go. Yep. Boom. Bango. That's the story. And then the court of public opinion, you know, makes a decision before anything's actually been hashed out. Right, yeah, and it's and so it's hard to come back from that. You know, if there is a a turnaround where actually the thing that the public believed to be true is completely false, exactly. you have to then That's try and say. find each and every one of those people that believed the first thing and convince them that it was wrong to turn the you know the public opinion around. And that that's it's it's not going to happen. You know, yeah, it's it's hard, man. And you know, growing up on. And I guess you're going to get a little bit of my bias growing up. You know, I watched Pirates of the Caribbean. So like, I, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, I, I, I hope it, it wasn't Johnny Depp, you know, but 
it's just tricky and it's like well it, there is no like win lose that you know win win situation yeah, exactly. here and it's just so it, it's horrible to see stuff like that it, you know, it breaks my heart yep but moving past that you know yeah <laughs> sad segment <laughs> uh, while we're speaking about sad i think it it happened just after uh we recorded potentially but you know gilbert gadfried passed away oh don't I, I didn't I didn't I put it in the news because I didn't want to drag it out. But yeah, he passed away apparently after uh, a long sickness. Um, he was only in his sixties. What was yeah, it like sixty three? Something like that. But yeah, just I I tweeted about it on on our Twitter. Yeah. The but yeah, that again that broke my heart. <laughs> I know. Now, so Discovery and Warner Media just closed, and that's Discovery like the Discovery Channel. I didn't even know they yeah. had this much money. Uh, no, they no, just closed not. a forty-three billion dollar merger. Uh, they bought so Discovery Channel basically bought Warner Brothers from AT and T. You're coming home with me. That's literally yeah. what they said. Like, yeah, I'll have that. You said for me. <laughs> yeah, for me. But so now they are the the combined company of Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, so Variety is reporting that several of their sources close to the merger are hearing that Discovery is wanting to explore all of its options uh, in relation to overhauling DC entertainment. So they're possibly looking at restructuring DC to make it its own independent studio, similar to Marvel at Disney where, you know, yes, Marvel is owned by Disney, but Marvel acts relatively independently from Disney. Um, You know, Disney's involved on like a big picture money kind of standpoint, but they're not super involved in creative decisions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, we've heard things that make it seem that uh, a lot of the trouble that DC films have had have been with studio interference. Yeah. Um, and so I think there, there definitely is something there of maybe D or, you know, maybe Warner Brothers doesn't have to be hands in every pie, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> in fact, before the merger had even closed, David Zaslav, who's now the CEO of both companies, Yep. Um, was vetting candidates with experience in creating blockbuster properties, likely trying to find the, their own like Kevin Feige figure, right? So yeah, they can put it put it the head and they steer the ship, right? Yeah, which I'm very for, just because like the fact that they're like, okay, you know, we're taking this opportunity to seek out and find people who yeah. you know are, are going to be creative and you know strictly going to make DC movies better as they have been in the past, you know, these past couple films that they've made. Right. And, and that's the other thing is, um, I, I wrote down here that, uh, discovery insiders believe that despite DC's recent achievements, like Aquaman, Joker, and the Batman, it does lack coherent creative and brand strategy. And mm-hmm. so discovery believes that several of the top shelf characters like a Superman, um, have been underutilized or entirely left out. Yeah. And so they're, you know, it is nice to hear them go, you know, you've got Superman, and you might be able to do something with him if you would just do something with him. Right, right, yeah. And then they also reference the fact that films like Joker uh, show that your B, not B-list, but like your, you know, your second list casting uh, of characters can be viable financially. You know, mm-hmm. the, we're on paper, the Joker is just a Batman villain, but maybe there's something to his story or we could build a story around him, right? Yeah. Yeah, the same with the Harley, they talked about Harley Quinn the same way. 
Yeah, which again, I'm just so for. Like, I want to know more. And like, especially, be, I know I talked about this before, I'm not that big of a DC fan, but recently right. I've been, a lot of my interest has been in DC and I want to see more of, you know, that, that dark, that gritty, you know, uh, movie of, mm-hmm. that's com- basically the polar opposite of Marvel. Right. And, and we kind of talked about this off off the podcast, and I believe we've talked about it earlier in, in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um that competition's good. I think we talked about yeah. it when we talked about the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, you want something to be good <clears throat> because it promotes competition. So if DC ups their game and start being an actual competitor in, like, this idea of making an interconnected comic book universe um, or cinematic comic book universe, uh, then, you know, Marvel can't just rely on being Marvel. They might have to up their game, right? Not that they've been lacking, but it'd be easy for them to go, yeah, we've got 24 or 25 films in the bag. We're solid. Let's just chill and sit on money, you know? Right. But then if you've got DC stepping up their game as well, they might have to compete for the dollar, and that'd be good for everybody involved. Yeah, it's just a win-win-win. Either way, you're getting good money, or good uh, good movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're getting good money. Yeah. Um. Are, are you ready to jump into Barry, or do you have more thoughts on DC? Oh, I'm so ready to jump into Barry. All right, let's let's talk about it. So, <laughs> brief synopsis of Barry. Uh, it's about an ex-Marine who's turned into a contract killer who is becoming bored with his job slash his life, and he ends up catching the acting bug and <laughs> wants to attempt a career change. Like, that's honestly the, the basics, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this isn't going to really be a review. This is just going to be us talking about the show, uh, kind of recapping it. In, in preparation for season three. But up front, I will say, if you haven't seen the show, um, I definitely recommend it. I w- if we were to review it, I would say overwhelming. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a very good show. Uh, and this is going to be pretty spoiler heavy. We're just going to talk about shit that happens. So yeah. if, you know, if you have any interest in seeing it before being spoiled, you know, go watch it. Um, yeah, they're absolutely. brisk, like 30 minute episodes, eight episodes a season. And there's only two seasons. So in yeah, so eight it, hours, it took of, us. I was gonna say yeah. it took us what maybe two, three days, and you know that's just like, you know, after work we you know would hang out and we would sit yeah. down and watch two episodes or three episodes a night, and then yeah, which would leave us still at a good spot of like because each episode definitely leaves you at like a good cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does a good job of using drama and tension to make you go, shit, like what happens next, you know? Yeah. Which is exciting because now that we're caught up, we'll both get to watch season three, you know, week to week as it airs. So we'll get that cliffhanger experience. Oh, yeah. Um, so just briefly, um, I'm going to kind of look at the, the episode synopses so we can kind of get an idea of, oh, yeah, that's what happened in each episode. I don't want to, you know, linger on each episode too much, but just go, ooh, yeah, that was a good episode. I liked when this. Um, mm-hmm. And then we can kind of mm-hmm. talk about the characters and stuff. So, like, the first episode uh, is called Make Your Mark, and that's just the, you know, a, a typical pilot where it's introducing you to the characters and all that, and, and the setup. Um, so the setup, obviously, is Barry Berkman, who is played by Bill Hader, who actually wrote and directed the pilot. Um, he, Which, he's for one me, of the, the showrunners. As for me, all I've ever seen before Barry... Uh, mm-hmm. All I've seen from him was obviously uh, it chapter two and then SNL. Um, yeah, 
So when you first, I remember when you first told me Bill Hader, and that was before we watched any of like his mockumentary stuff. Um, yeah. I was blown away because I was under the expectation of, uh, is this going to be, you know, how well is this going to be? Um, you know, just because I, that's all I've ever seen. And I was definitely blown away throughout the both seasons yeah. of how dramatic, um, and how like creative with the comedy and then turning it into like a, you're laughing one second to, Oh fuck. You know? Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. It does have a really solid balance. Um, of, of comedy to drama. I think mm-hmm. the second season more so, but not that yes. the first season does it bad. I just think obviously from a writing standpoint, the experience of the first season helped them write the second. Um, and, and so <clears throat> Barry gets a job uh, to go to LA. <laughs> He's kind of sent by his handler. Who's Monroe Fuchs is his name. And Fuchs is played by, Oh shit. I, Steven root. Who's kind of a character actor. Um, He's been in quite a few things. I, I always think of him being the the quiet guy with the big bottle cap glasses in uh, Office <laughs> Space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but in this, he plays a very different character. He's kind of a, a creepy, greasy, like, obviously emotionally abusive person to, to Barry. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I know what's best for you, Barry. I, you know, I know what you enjoy, whatever, right? And convincing Barry that, you know, all he is supposed to do is be a, a contract killer. And uh, so he's like, you know what? You know what would be a good good vacation for you? What if you went out to L.A. and did another job, right? But at least it's sunny, you know? Right, you got and, good weather on you. <laughs> and so he goes out there, and the, the job is that this Chechen mob boss named Goran Pazar, uh, his wife is fucking her personal trainer, and they want the personal trainer killed. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, all right, cool, I can do that. And as he's following the guy around, he ends up going into an acting class that the guy is going to, and he... It's like, oh, shit, he gets to go up on stage and do a scene with the guy. And he's like, shit, I enjoyed this. And he, he wants to be an actor. Now, granted, he's not good. <laughs> like, No, no. Like, like, he is not good at all. But he really enjoys it, and he wants to do it. And so it's like, man, I, you know, I've kind of been wandering or whatever. I've been not feeling this whole Hitman thing. Maybe this is my purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends up going out with the class and stuff and having a good time. And the Chechens like catch on to that and are like, yeah, this guy, we can't rely on him, whatever. He's hanging out with the, the Mark. And uh, the episode ends with him going to kill Ryan, like follow through on it. And Ryan's already been killed by the Chechens. And then the Chechens turn their guns on him. And Barry has to shoot everybody in the car and then dip. And like the, the last scene is, or the last like shot is the fact that fucking Noho Hank, who is such a funny character. I love um, him. He, he left a frickin' <laughs> lipstick cam in the car. And so you're like, yeah. oh, shit, now the cops have, have footage, right? Yeah. Uh, I um, did want, real quick, I wanted yeah, to yeah, say... Yeah, jump in. Um, you know, with the fact that, like, the acting's so bad when he's up on stage, they do a terrific job of, like... I mean, it goes for all of the cast uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, plays the part of the uh, acting group of when they're yeah. up there... It's like, wow, like you can tell they are just reading lines with maybe a little bit of emotion to it. Um, And then as soon as they get off, it's like it clicks right back into, okay, this is like a real conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Which shows that, yeah, they are gifted actors, that they are acting like they don't know how to act. Yeah. And I don't know why, but to me, that's just mind boggling. Yeah, that's impressive. Sally Reed is one of the the characters that she's one of the main characters. Um, 
she's one of the people from the class that very obviously is on a different skill level um, from, from the rest of the class. Like you talked about, you know, they're clearly reading lines, but she seems to be able to understand like, okay, this is supposed to be rooted in an emotion or, uh, you know, something like that. Right. And, oh man, I almost forgot to mention him. Gene Cusinow is the acting class, uh, the coach. Yes. And he's played by uh, freaking. Oh my god! I just completely lost his name. What's his name? Uh, Jamie, pull that up. Um, Henry Winkler. Yeah, it's yeah. Henry Winkler. It's the Fonz. Uh, and <laughs> and it is bizarre because he is just foul mouthed. Yeah, and it kills me just because he is playing such a terrific role and i love him like i yeah. love to hate his character but yeah because he's he's a shithead and he's slimy and he's yeah. greedy. but, but yeah, he also like, does seem to care yeah yeah like he's obviously out for he's doing this strictly for money um yeah but then yeah later in the series you do you do definitely see a point where it's like oh yeah, like yeah he enjoys he, teaching as well yeah yeah, but yeah, just to hear Henry Winkler be like, this is bullshit. I don't fucking believe what you're selling me, you know? And you're like, whoa, <laughs> that's the Fonz. Like, yeah, and even worse is I've gotten to meet him in person at a Comic-Con. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a picture of me with Henry Winkler, my wife and I. And uh, he was super sweet. And he had like, <laughs> you know, everybody there obviously was like, I loved you in, you know, Happy Days or <laughs> The Water Boy. And... <laughs> Water he had like sucks. It really, really, <laughs> it really, sucks. really sucks. No, and he was there, and he had a, a book about fishing that he just kept trying to talk about. And I felt so bad because you know nobody gave a shit about the fishing book, you know. But he was super sweet, and in fact, I I don't even think my wife and I were the ones that went up to see him. It was my brother in law and my sister, and mm-hmm. he was like, would you know, ask my wife and I, would you guys like a picture, you know? And, and he started talking to us, um, so that was nice. Yeah, but so to to have that interaction and then to see him on on Barry being like, "This is horseshit," you know, <laughs> you're like, "Whoa, yeah. this is that." <laughs> He's obviously a good actor because that is not the person I met. Yeah, abs- and that's that's when you know it's he's a he, they're a good actor or actress is when they can switch it up so dramatically. Yeah, we talked earlier today actually about Breaking Bad, uh, where yeah, literally <laughs> about uh, Walter White, Brian Cranston playing the father yeah. of Malcolm in the Middle, and then yeah, switching and being... <laughs> over to play fucking Walter White. <laughs> yeah, a meth kingpin. And they're like <laughs> Jesus. Um, <clears throat> but no, so chapter two is called "Use It," and obviously the LAPD is kind of caught on uh, because you know there's been a murder of this uh, you know Ryan Madison, and there's a bunch of Chechen mobsters dead in the car across from him uh and they find the lipstick camera but it's been um locked and it's got like (laughs) it's locked and it's got chechen and shit and they don't know how to read it and they kind of make fun of how inept the it crew is yeah uh, yeah we don't know how to get into it uh so we're just you know waiting and she's like jesus christ and janice moss is the the lead detective and i think she actually does a really good job of playing like you know She's been a detective for a long time. You get that that feeling that she's good at her job and she's kind of fed up with all the bullshit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like she's she's experienced this a number of times and I was like, good God, you know, I can't believe we're fucking around with this again. Um, we're still at but, this? Yeah. Oh, my God. But so, yeah, you know, Barry obviously shot the Chechens that were going to kill him and the Chechens pick up him and Fuchs and uh, Fuchs, they, they file down his teeth to torture him. 
until uh, Barry is finally like, fuck, all right, I'll do one last hit on uh, on a Bolivian informant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he's like, all right, Fuchs, I'm going to get you out of this. And then he goes off and goes to acting class. And that's kind of where we start to see the uh, that issue of him trying to balance both lives. Mm-hmm. It's where he's like, yeah, I'll get you out of this, Fuchs. And then he goes to class because I've got to make it to class. Yeah, yeah and, that's, uh, that's such a priority to him at this point. Yeah. And that's when Gene kind of tells everybody, hey, uh, Ryan was killed. And they plan an onstage memorial service, which just turns into them all going, all right, yeah, how can we make this about me performing? You know? Right, yeah. And, and so which it does is, do again, a good job. Yeah. I was going to say, it just it kind of goes to show like how self-centered people are. Yeah, especially you know that idea of you know hungry actors that want to go and be somebody. You know, you don't get famous by giving somebody else the spotlight. Right. Yeah. And so on a day that's supposed to be a memorial for someone that's passed, they're like, "How can I make this about me?" How? Yeah. How can I make this about me? Yeah, because they even make the comment that Ryan's uh, agent was going to be there, and so they're <laughs> all like trying to impress the dead guy's agent. <laughs> Jesus. And that's when Sally asks him to perform a scene from Doubt, which is about freaking molestation in the Catholic Church. <laughs> and it's like, that's really heavy for a memorial service. Right, yeah, like, that's completely think, the opposite turn. I think Gene even tries to talk her out of it. Because he's like, oh, don't, can we not do Doubt? Like, that's, that's really heavy. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> And, and then I think the the big like oh man we get to see a little bit of uh, humanity is when Ryan's dad delivers a really um, emotional speech obviously because his son has been killed and that's the first time Barry has seen like the grief and pain that his job causes right you know he usually gets to kill the guy and then go and this is the first time he's stuck around and um, so he really is is messed up by that and uh, <laughs> luckily. Uh, Sally's like, you know what? D- doubt probably wasn't a good good call, anyways. And so she, he walks her home, and she's like, "You wanna you wanna come inside and do it?" And he's like, "No, no, I'm good." And uh, she that kind of throws her off because you get the vibe that maybe she's used to that kind of um, relationship, you know, of somebody being nice to her. And so yeah, we're gonna have sex and then probably not see each other again. And, and so to her, I think he he intrigues her because he doesn't jump at the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, he's there for the long haul. Yeah, and and that's you know the stinger on that episode is that the Chechens are taking photos of him and Sally, so like they're kind of stalking him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that that that's obviously not a filler episode, but it's a good op- opportunity to get to know the class a bit more and things like that. It's not an action right. episode. Um, you know, not a not a lot of episode there. Chapter three um, is a good episode. That's one where uh, Barry has to kill the informant, and he's. <laughs> He's going to snipe the guy, and Noho Hank is like, just wait, I mailed a bullet to the Bolivians, and I need to wait for DHL to tell me it's been delivered. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and he's like, Jesus, are you fucking serious, Hank? Uh, and Noho Hank is just a super effeminate where he might be gay, you know, and or he might just be, you know, posh, right? But he's always yeah. concerned with, like, hospitality, and he's just a super nice guy, you know? And uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the actor himself um, has alopecia, so he's mm-hmm. he's very he's very fit, very muscular, tattooed, bald guy who's wearing like really nice pink polos that are too tight, <laughs> and he's just super nice guy, you know. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, and he's like, yeah, 
Barry, and he needs him to wait because, yeah, I've mailed this bullet to the Bolivians, and it'll be super dramatic, you know, that they get this bullet, and then they hear that their informant's been killed. And so Barry's like, dude, you fucking suck, you know? You're trying to make it like a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's when that's the episode when the they bring the assassin in uh, from uh, from Chechnya from Chechnya um, to kill Barry and Fuchs after Barry finishes the job. And yeah. Fuchs talks to the guy so much that Stovka blows his brains out. Yeah, I forgot ass- about that. <laughs> the assassin just kills himself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so it's like, man, that that just kind of gives you an idea of who Fuchs is. That yeah. he tries to play it off like he really mind fucked the guy, but it's just he couldn't bear to sit in the room with Fuchs, so he just blows his brains out. And uh, <laughs> the <clears throat> the LAPD kind of picks up on the fact that Ryan Madison was involved with uh, the Chechen mob through the wife, mm-hmm. and so they go to the acting class and talk to the students, and um, and so that's the first time that okay they're kind of overlapping. And Barry obviously is like got to kind of keep my head down, you know? Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> Barry is helping Sally prepare for an audition, and that's when she finds out that a former friend that she worked with um, is now the lead on a show that Sally's getting like a bit part audition for, and that really kind of fucks her up. That she's kind of getting passed up. Yeah. And uh, that's when Barry is up on the hill and he's gonna snipe, uh, snipe Paco, and Sally calls him and he's listening to her vent and vent and vent, and she's basically like. I really want you to come over. And that's when Barry realizes like, Oh, she wants to do it. Like, <laughs> and he just fucking goes down there, breaks into the guy's house and strangles him to death. Yeah. Cause he's just got to get the job done. Yeah. And then he goes, he goes to Sally's house and they have sex and Barry has the daydream about, uh, that, you know, their future together. And, uh, <laughs> and then he comes, he kind of comes out of the daydream and he says the Spanish phrase that Paco had been saying to him. And uh, Sally knows Spanish. She goes, uh, what are you saying? And he repeats it. And she, he's like, what does it mean? She says, you don't have to do this. And, uh, and that's the first time that like, we see Barry go like, oof, about the act, of, the act of killing. And, and, it kind of, <clears throat> and it kind of speaks to how he was feeling anyways of like, he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. He, he wants out anyways. And so, yeah, it's just that, that coming to terms with that facing him. Um, chapter four, again, is kind of a, um, not a not a nothing episode, but a a brief episode. Fuchs um, gives Barry the next job, which is to raid a Bolivian stash house, and you know Barry's not too <laughs> too jazzed about it because it's he's like this isn't I'm a hitman, not a, a one man army, right? Right, yeah. And uh, Sally has a really bad day because she goes to prepare for an audition with her agent, and the agent makes like a sexual advance on her, and then when she reclines, declines, he kind of makes her feel like an idiot, like, oh, I was just joking, what do you think, you know? And uh, then when she goes to her audition, they basically say, yeah, uh, we called the guy that you listed as your agent, and he said he doesn't uh, doesn't represent you. You know, so he kind of fucks her over, because she didn't accept his, you know, sexual advances. And, Which I thought um, brought a lot of light to, because that's a very real thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that brought a lot of light, uh, you know, to that, and it, it is like, you're watching that, and you're like, Damn, like, you know, I obviously, yes, it, it does suck that it, you know, it happens in the real world, but that's not something I, I go through or like, right, see, yeah, it is. you know, it's something I've only ever heard about. So being able yeah. to kind of have this as a filter to see it happen, um, it, uh-huh. it really is like, damn, like, you know, that, that drama starts to kick in more. Yeah, and it gives you a good look at uh, who Sally is, 
that obviously yeah. in, in retrospect, it makes her go if maybe if I'd have done it right. Yeah, I might have this job right now, but she doesn't want to stoop to that. But it does put that bug in your head of like, damn, like, you know, like you said, I can't relate to that situation. But to see it unfold, you're like, fuck, that's messed up, you know? Yeah. And then it makes sense later why uh, <clears throat> at the party <laughs> at the house, at one of the, the classmates house. Barry thinks, you know, yeah, I'm going to be a real gentleman and buy Sally a new uh, a new laptop as a gift, right? Because hers is mm-hmm. busted. And, you know, he comes in, gives it to her, and she's super uncomfortable because that's a really expensive gift for someone that you slept with once, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he sees it as sweet. He doesn't understand that it comes off as really creepy and clingy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Barry gets kind of pissed off and invites his buddy Chris from the Marines over to the party. And Chris brings his two fucking just meathead buddies over uh, Taylor and Vaughn. Yep. <laughs> and they're like bashing into the fridge and shit and just making all kinds of ruckus. And then uh, Barry gets all bent out of shape while he's getting drunk and he makes some pretty intense claims of like Sally being his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she gets understandably upset. Again, like I said, earlier in the episode, we see, you know, how she's treated by her agent and she goes off on, on Barry about she's, you know, she's not a piece of property. Right. I get to decide if I'm your girlfriend or whatever. You don't get to just right. say I am. And uh, Barry's like, boof, I'm really, really striking out here. He's confused. This is you get the vibe. <laughs> this might be the first real romantic uh, relationship like, relationship he's had. And he's just not good at it. And uh, we've all been. That's there. when. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, who is not? And when he goes to leave, uh, Taylor, one of the, the meathead Marines, finds the, the stash house stuff. And Barry's like, oof. <laughs> And he's basically, he wants in. So we're going to try and speed up because the next two episodes are kind of um, fillers of sorts. Um, not fillers per se, but the, I want to get into the more meat, like episodes seven and eight. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. So, <clears throat> yeah. Chapter five is when they introduce the idea of doing uh, Macbeth. And you kind of get to see Barry struggle with, like, the morality of killing because the class is basically like, yeah, you know, Macbeth is a murderer and whatever, he's fucked. And Barry's like, well, I, I've killed people. And so that's a really interesting... Where they're like, oh, well, yeah, but you kill people in war, right? Because, you know, they know he was a Marine. But he's like, yeah, I've killed, I've killed people outside of war, too. So he's really struggling with that. And that's when he and Taylor do go and um, take out the stash house. And uh, Fuchs wanted Barry to kill Taylor, and he doesn't. And so Fuchs yeah. is all bent out of shape. And then the, the sixth episode, um, the acting class and the hitman job kind of start to overlap more when Taylor stuffs money in Barry's fucking bag. Yeah. And uh, Barry goes to class, opens his book bag to get his book out, and there's just a shit ton of dirty money. And so he goes yep. and he stuffs that in the ceiling. And uh, later, um, Janet Moss, the uh, um, detective, comes to see Gene Cusin out because they've become a little bit romantic. Mm-hmm. And Vacha, the the Chechen that's been stalking Sally, is there to kill Sally, and so he and Moss get into a chase and a shootout. And when they the police get there and they search, they find the dirty money there. So now it's like, oh shit, they're getting a little bit closer, and they've started to get like they got a picture of uh, off of the camera finally, mm-hmm. and it's like super grainy. You can't tell it out. They keep making the comment of like it being the Bigfoot photo, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> 
And so that's a pretty interesting moment where uh, we get to see the LAPD come there and uh, interview the three guys in the class that fit the the picture. Mm-hmm. And one of them's obviously Barry. And Barry like really quickly has an alibi. He's like, "Yep, I do. I work in auto parts, and I had lunch with this guy or dinner with this guy and this guy. And here's their numbers." And so you get to see how he and Fuchs work that out. That Fuchs has like seven phones or cell phones in his uh, suitcase that are all labeled with the character that he has to play. And so yep. she calls this one guy, and he plays that guy, and then she calls the other guy, and Fuchs plays the other character, and boom, cool, you're good to go. Your alibi checked yep. out. Which I mean. <clears throat> In, in that moment, it's like, dude, that's so fucking cool. But then also, mm-hmm. it's like, it's scary because it's like, okay, you can tell this is not new. Like, this is something they've, they've probably yeah. done before and rehearsed. Yeah. And yeah, so and so you're like, that, did they learn through trial and error? Or is Fuchs smart enough that, like, he did come up with that? You know? Because there's times where Fuchs seems like an idiot, but obviously he, there is some planning, you know? Right, yeah, he, yeah he's... He's dumb at points, but yeah, there are definitely times where he's like, you, you see some of the strategic moves or plays he makes where it's like, yeah, yeah that was the right move. Like that's especially, clean. especially when it comes to like the emotional manipulation of Barry. Yes. He's really good at manipulating Barry from like a, a just a psychological standpoint. Um, but so episode six ends with the real big cliffhanger of uh, they're They're going to do this attack on an airstrip. And he and Taylor, Barry and Taylor, and Barry kind of tells Taylor, yeah, I think I need to do this solo. And Taylor's like, word, yeah, no, I hear you. And then lo and behold, the next day, Taylor shows up to pick Barry up for this job. And uh, he's got Vaughn, the other Marine, and Chris, um, Barry's real good friend. And they're going to go bum rush the airstrip. And Barry's really upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried to tell Taylor or Chris to get out of the car. Yeah, he tries to get his buddy out of it. And uh, obviously he's like, no, it's cool. I'm, I'm here to help. And Taylor goes just blazing down the, the airfield, blaze, you know, blaring uh, heavy metal music. And it's really intense. You know, Barry's screaming, screaming. And they start shooting. And the, like, the cut to black is, you know, bullets ripping through the windshield and the truck flipping. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then we get to one of my favorite episodes, which is episode seven, um, where Barry and Chris... Uh, get out of the the truck. They're the only ones that survive. Chris has to kill one of the Bolivians, and they escape on foot, right? And then Barry just goes straight to rehearsal. Um, it, he looks like shit, and I think everybody keeps saying, my God, you look like shit, you know? The Chechens think that um, Barry's dead, because they hear that, you know, two guys were killed, right? And, uh, and Yeah, and they have no clue that, that Barry got out. And that, yeah, they don't even know that Taylor and Vaughn were there. And so, you know, through some happenstance, um, Taylor has Gene Cusinow's uh, acting book with Ryan Madison's name in it at his apartment. So that kind of helps clear Barry because it's like, okay, cool. There we go. There's the connection. Ryan Madison and this Taylor guy were working for the Chechens, right? Yep. And and that kind of, okay, cool, sweet. Um, and there is a lot of that. It's it's an ongoing theme of, like, coincidence really saving Barry. Mm. But not in a, not in a, oh, well, that's convenient. It's just like, man, he, it, it, it keeps giving you the vibe of like, eventually his luck has to run out, right? It's got to. And um, the, the climax of the episode is Chris calls Barry and like, we got to meet up. And so Barry's sitting in the car with Chris, his buddy, and Chris is having a full freak out about what happened. 
and yeah, because he wasn't on the field. He's never killed a person before, even yeah, though he was in the yeah, Marine. he was in um I think he says he was in like logistics or something or communications. Yeah. And so he never killed a guy, you know, the most he'd ever done with what was obviously weapons training. And um so he's really not okay. And Barry's trying to talk him down. And um Chris then says the really bad move of that he's gonna have to go to the police to clear his conscience. And you yep. see that's I think this is some of the best acting from Bill Hader is you just you see Barry get really cold. And he's um, like, fuck. Because he knows, like, I've got I've to kill him because he's going to go to the cops. And, and uh, then Chris picks up on that and... Yeah. Tries to like, double back. Yeah, he's like, Barry, you know I'm not going to go to the cops. I was just... I was losing my cool for a minute, you know? I just... But, yeah, you're right. You're right. We got to keep a level head, keep, keep our heads low. And at this point, it's just... It's too late for Chris because Barry's yeah. like... If he's a risk at any point, yeah, I have to take yeah. him out. And uh, so Barry does. He shoots his only friend that we've met um, from before right in the fucking face and makes it look like a suicide. suicide. And he just kind of walks off and then goes to the, the play, goes to Macbeth and is having a full emotional breakdown um, mm-hmm. where he is not doing okay. And he goes out on stage and just fucking crushes it because he is in a very like not good state. You know, and uh, everybody's like praising him and shit. And Sally manages to give a really good performance because of, you know, Barry um, being so impressive. Um, yeah. And Kinda so puts everybody's her in like, that, puts, yeah, her, puts in her, that her in that spot. space. And so she gives a really good Macbeth speech. And, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, Barry, you're so good, whatever. And I think the line is like, whatever you did tonight to get to that Eat place. It. Yeah, do that every time and you're good. And it's like, obviously, the weight being, fuck, I cannot do this every time. Right, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's so much going on through, you know, having a mental breakdown like that. And they're like, oh, keep that up, keep doing that. Like, yeah. And then uh, the the finale, you know, has, it's really, it does, like, the first 15 minutes is, like, some major cleanup where the cops are going to go to the, uh, the Chechen mob boss's house, and the Chechens are going to kill Fuchs. And it's like, okay, well, Hank calls Barry and is like, hey, they're going to kill Fuchs. And Barry kind of is like, I don't give a shit, right? That kind of takes care of my problem. But has a good, like, you know, has a change of heart. Goes, saves Fuchs, kills all of the Chechens, and uh, takes Fuchs to the airport and is basically like, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. I am taking control of my life starting now. And that's kind of the motif of the episode is the starting now. Yeah. And uh, it does a big flash forward to... Like, you know, months later, he and Sally are really good, um, in a good spot in their relationship. They're preparing for a, a comedy play. You see them at uh, a, a cabin with uh, Gene Cusinow and Detective Moss, who are also at a good spot romantically. And it's like, yeah, this is what life is supposed to be like, right? Right. And uh, I forget. Oh, Gene. Gene brings up a monologue that Barry gave where he talks about being a, a Marine turned hitman. And it's because Barry was just fully pouring his heart out to Gene. It wasn't a monologue. It was the truth. Right, yeah. And Gene was like, <laughs> it was Gene so was like did you make all that up? Like, did you put that on the spot? And he has to kind of be like, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when he brings this up in front of Moss, Barry's like, no, uh-uh. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember that, you know. And uh, Moss is like automatically suspicious. And that's when she goes uh, at night. She goes out to the uh, the dock to get Wi-Fi, and on her laptop, and is looking at the Facebook page. And 
kind of compares that. Oh, hey, he's been with she connects Barry to Chris and Chris to Taylor on Facebook. And that's when she looks at the photo again and is like, you know, yeah, that's Barry. And uh, Barry catches her out there and really pleads with her that, you know, we're in a good spot. Let's not do this. Yeah, let's just forget and, this uh, ever happened. I'm 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 done doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, think about what this will do to both of us. You know, we're yeah. both where we want to be. And she obviously being a person of, you know, honor and, and, and integrity, can't let it go. I have to do my job, you know. And uh, so she's walking him back to the cabin, and that's when you see that Barry prepared for this and has a gun, like, tied to a, the tree. Mm-hmm. And he stops and gives her one last, you know, let's, please, let's not do this. And she basically tells him to go. And he grabs the gun, and you see shots ring out uh, through the window. And he goes back to bed, and it's much later, because you can see, like, the morning sun. And he gets in bed and snuggles up to Sally. And that's when he looks at the ceiling, and he says, starting now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now I'm now I'm out, you know. But, but there is, like, that, you know, going back to that drama and uh, comedy... Like, that is such an intense scene, and then right yeah. at that last second, you know, there's that play on joke, you know, starting now, that really does, like, oh, oh my god, like, that's yeah. funny, but, like, Jesus. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think it's funny, but it also has some dramatic weight of, like, is he just gonna keep having to do that, right? Right. You know, is it always gonna be, okay, now? Yeah, is he never right. really well, gonna now. be able to yeah. escape? Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're going to try and speed through season two because we got a little too in-depth on season one, I feel. Yeah. Um, it's just so, such a good show. I know, yeah. I could talk too long about it. And if it's a little bit of a longer episode, that's okay. Yeah. So, obviously, <laughs> starting with season two, Gene is not well. Um, Barry seems to have pulled up or pulled off the, the hiding of... Um, did I say Gene? Yes. Sorry, Barry has pulled off the hiding of Moss's body and um, the police basically have chalked it up to <clears throat> that. The Chechens, uh, you know, the Chechens disappeared her, right. As like revenge. And uh, Gene is not doing well. He's kind of withdrawing. Nope. He wants to cancel the class and Barry's really trying to save shit and it's just not working. And um, finally, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's, that's the episode that starts with, Hughes having like a shitty replacement for Barry, who fucking shoots a safe with a shotgun and it ricochets and blows his knee out. And then he gets, and then they catch uh, Fuchs at the hotel across the street. Yeah. Yeah, because that's how uh, they connect the DNA back. Yes. It's when they get a DNA hit off of him and his tooth was in uh, the Chechen mob boss, uh, his garage, because he yep. was being, <laughs> he had the shit beat out of him. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, what was this guy in Cleveland doing in that Chechen mob boss's garage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how they make the connection that, yep, Barry is also from Cleveland, so maybe we need to keep looking at this guy. Yeah. <clears throat> and, oh, yeah, this is the first time we get to see Barry's um, military background. Because Gene yeah. basically, Barry's trying to convince Gene that, hey, maybe you can use this class as therapy to get, get through everything with Janice. And Gene makes a comparison that me talking about Janice would be like if I asked you to tell me about the first time you killed somebody. You know, that's the kind of weight. And uh, Barry proceeds to tell the class about the first time he killed somebody. And it's a really good insight into how somebody could be taught to 
enjoy killing, I guess. Because mm-hmm. you get the vibe that Barry's an outcast or whatever, and he kills somebody in the war. Um, and instead of it being like a really emotional like breakdown of I killed somebody, I took a life or whatever, everybody in, in the, the lookout with him is like, holy shit, you're a boss, whatever, you know. Yeah, you're and an like, animal. Yeah, and they're they're really like cheering him on. And so, you know, he the first time he's ever felt accepted is when he killed somebody. And so yeah, that's you know, that's a pretty strong um reinforcement. Yeah. Uh Noho Hank um in episode two tries to get Barry to help kill Esther, who is from the Burmese is it the is it the Burmese? Um I, I believe so. Yeah, I think they're from Burma. But basically, Hank is now kind of leading the Chechens, and uh, the Bolivians are working together with them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, okay, are Hank and uh, Cristobal, who leads the Bolivians, are they romantic? I can't tell. Or does Hank have a crush on Cristobal? Or whatever, right? And, but their uh, chemistry, I love their chemistry throughout yeah, the they, entire they thing. Yeah, they are really funny together. Yeah, Hank is, you know, like you're saying, that very posh. He's very much like, mm, you know, this table would look good here or, you know, <laughs> yeah. very, you know, like he's more worried about like the decor of the, you know, the, the warehouse yeah, that they're warehouse. living in. Um, and uh, Cristobal is very like, you business. know, like business. And so there is that good dynamic back and forth <laughs> of how they complete each other. But then Cristobal's also like really into self-help books. And yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a montage of him like giving motivational speeches with like the little the little cheek mic, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you see Hank like really listening and he's really into it. Yeah. He's like, wow, I'm really moved by what Cristobal says. Yeah. And then on the on the acting side of things, um Gene give you know inspired by Barry's uh, story about his first kill wants the acting class to write and perform a short piece that basically encapsulates their own personal truth like pick a very defining moment in your life and act it out for us right yep yep and Barry's really not cool with the idea of his truth or his defining moment being the first time he killed somebody because obviously he's trying to get away from that and, and so there's some some comedy there where you get to see the the acting class what they consider their defining moments, you know, yeah. like the one girl who's from Britain seeing a horse. And was it a horse or a cow? No, it was a horse. It wasn't and a horse. she's like, yeah. And they're like that. That's it. She's like, it was a fucking horse. Like it was a horse in the city. Like, what do you mean? I didn't grow up with all you like, like you guys did out in the country. Right. It was a horse. And they're all like, all right, cool. Whatever, man. Yeah. Like, um, okay. And this is another opportunity where we get to see, um, some, you know, pretty dramatic stuff from Sally where uh, it, it comes out that she was married and it was yes. an abusive relationship and she got out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so her, her story starts to evolve into being um, that she's going to talk about uh, the night that she left, right. That she stood up to her husband and left. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, Ooh, that's a pretty heavy thing to talk about. Right. Yeah. And on the on the police side of things, Detective Loach, who was Moss's partner, actually goes out to Cleveland to meet Fuchs and convinces him to uh, get a confession um, from Barry. And so it's like, OK, yep. now Fuchs is working with the cops. And yeah, that's the, the ending of that episode is Barry finding Fuchs waiting for him at his apartment. And uh, Barry basically tells him to fuck off. I don't want to see you again. And the last shot is that Fuchs is in the the or Loach, Detective Loach is in the surveillance van. 
And you're like, shit, I knew it. Fuchs is in with the cops. Yep. Um, He's got a wire on him. Yeah. Episode three, Sally doesn't want to be super honest about her, her story. So she kind of, and you get that vibe where she's talking to somebody that she was friends with when she left her husband. And they remember the night much differently from her. Where yeah. Sally's story is like, she told her husband off, you know, fuck you, you asshole. If you want to choke me, choke on this. I'm gone, you know. I'm leaving. And it is a very dramatic, like you said, it's like a movie, you know. Yeah. It's what you would like it to be. But her friend's like, uh, I'm pretty sure he was asleep and we just snuck out. Like, You're right. We just grabbed your you know. shit, like a bug out yeah. bag. Yeah, and yeah. Got you grabbed your shit and got you out. Which, you know, there's no shame in that. That's No, no. I mean, you know, getting out of a situation like story. that. Right. Yeah. Getting out of a situation like that. I mean, just getting out itself is a very brave and, you know, a courageous thing to do. Thing to do. Yeah. And, and but Sally being Sally wanted to feel like a strong woman. She doesn't want to be seen as weak. She writes her own version that makes it, you know, that more dramatic. Like I said, you know, fuck you. I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> Hank is mad at Barry because Barry doesn't kill Esther for him. Uh, so Hank <laughs> tries to kill him. But. Like the Chechen that he has doing the sniping just absolutely sucks dick. Like, yeah. there's like there's like nine shots in the wall that are like slowly <laughs> tracing a line towards Barry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and so Barry goes over there across the street to the rooftop that they're on, and is about to kill Hank. And basically, they figure out that yeah, these Chechens fucking suck. Uh, and so Barry's like, all right, fine. What if I train them and then we're done? Like, I'll train them to be soldiers. And then you don't have to, to bother me anymore. Yeah. And Hank's like, all right, cool. Yeah, we'll do that. And uh, Barry decides that he doesn't want to tell the story about the first kill. He wants to tell about when he saved Albert, his buddy from the war who got shot. And mm -hmm. so it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, but ooh, ooh. You, I do want to say back just before yeah. we get too far backing up, we do yeah, yeah, yeah. get to see an opportunity of Hank um, when he kind of finds out yes. he didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. kill Esther. Uh, you see Hank get really serious because this entire time you're like, Hank's just this Hank's like kind of a goofball. Yeah, he's just such a silly guy. Like, how does he get mixed up into something like this? And then you yeah. see him get super serious and he's like, I know everything about you, Fuchs, Sally, this acting group. I will have them all killed. Yeah, or they'll all even die. worse, I can expose you for who you really are. Yeah. You know, because he calls him an idiot you don't do this because for me. he. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, and really <laughs> exposes him, and you get to see that side of him that's like, oh, uh, he's okay, not, he's not as where he is. Yeah, he's not as big of a goofball as we think he is. Yeah, he's able to be serious and be scary. Yeah, because he says he's like, <laughs> I like to be friendly. Yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm not afraid uh, yeah. to kill someone that yeah, gets. Yeah, I'm in my not way. gonna get fucked with. Like you know, don't yeah. don't fuck with me, Barry. Yeah, sorry, oh, I just oh, I, I, that no, yeah, that, I, like, oh, I gotta say that I gotta say that. Yeah, I forgot about that. That is really good. Um, but no, so he's talking about Korengal, uh, which is where he, you know, it's the battle that he was in when he saved his friend Albert, but you get the vibe that, you know, they keep teasing that something happened at Korengal that he really doesn't want to talk about. And you're like, Ooh, man. And he actually goes to Fuchs and is like trying to get some uh, support from him. Cause you know, Fuchs can relate to work as, uh, I believe Fuchs was a soldier as well. Correct. And um, basically, Fuchs is like, yeah, no, I, uh, I wouldn't fucking talk about Korngall. Like, if you tell people about Korngall, they will fucking look at you different. And so you're like, yeah. shit, what happened in Korngall? You know? And uh, they have an actual, like, emotional connection there. And 
Loach is still listening in and is pretty frustrated that uh, Fuchs isn't getting it's a taking confession. Taking so long, yeah, yeah, because this is all off the books. Like he's really not supposed to be doing. Yeah, this. yeah, and uh, when uh, <laughs> well, but we don't know that yet. I thought it was pretty early on that like that att- like he wasn't supposed to do it because you know when uh, his new uh, or partner, partner was trying to get involved and he was like no 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 yeah like, like this is no. personal. Yeah, this is personal, and he's kind of doing some shady stuff, working with Fuchs to try to yeah get him to confession. confess. But I did think uh, that a nice thing from the acting class was that uh, <laughs> Gene has Barry play Sam, um, Sally's ex-husband, and so Barry's really not okay with that because he has to play an abusive person, and, and he doesn't want to be that person, right? And he, especially to Sally, and so there's a part of the scene where he has to choke Sally, and he just can't do it. Like he's not. Not able to nut up and do it. Right. And um, Sally tries to push him, and instead, Barry just, like, leaves. He, he storms out. Yeah, he says, and, fuck uh, off real loud. <clears throat> yeah. And Sally follows him out the door and trying to talk to him, and she realizes that her ex-husband is out there. And that's a really good stinger where you see Barry look like he's going to kill him. Yeah, and, like, it's like, oh, my God, like, it, what's going to happen? You know, because you hear just all these yeah. awful things about uh, Sam, who is Sam. Sally's ex-husband. And, yeah. yeah, it's just that like, he looks at him, and you just, it's kind of like that look of, oh, my God, it's going to happen. And then it just cuts yeah. black. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, season, or episode four opens up. He didn't kill him. They're at uh, dinner with him. And, uh the whole time Sally's trying to keep things civil and Barry is just like, well, you can tell that he's steaming. He's fuming yeah. up. He's barely keeping his rage in. And, uh, <clears throat> Barry, you know, eventually like Sam's like, all right, see you guys, whatever, you know. Um, and, and he kind of tries to talk to her. Um, he tries to talk to her about like, Hey, I heard you're doing this show or whatever. And she, you know, she blows it off. as like, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Whatever. Right. And, uh, Sally kind of confesses to Barry that like she's lying about the scene. She didn't stand up to him. Mm-hmm. And and Barry's like that's okay. Like, you know, I think the line that he uses like that's it's okay to keep some secrets. You know, your truth can be whatever you want it to be, right? Right. Obviously, Barry is, you know, reflecting because he wants to be able to keep some secrets and have his truth be whatever he says it is. And uh, he sees that Barry gets to see that Sam snuck into the theater and was watching Sally rehearse the scene. And so Barry follows him out to the car, and that's when Sam says some really, like, just dickish stuff about, like, I fucked her first, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I got that shit when it was tight or whatever, and you're just like, God, yeah. what a fucking slime ball. And Barry basically yeah. is like, all right, whatever, you know, have a good night, fuck off, you know? And uh, Sally gets a call from Sam, and he wants her to come to the hotel so he can give her a gift, and she goes there. And uh, when she gets there, her like Sam's like nice guy persona that he's been putting on kind of mm-hmm. breaks apart when he tells her like to not do that scene because he doesn't want to be seen in a bad light, right. even though it's the truth. Like I'm telling the truth. And he was mm-hmm. like, I got a family. I got a kid now. Like you can't be doing this, whatever. And he starts getting aggressive and you're really worried that he's going to hit her. Um, yeah. And Barry is so fired up about the 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 comments that Sam made that he's going to the apartment to kill him or going to the yeah. hotel to kill him. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, he he has the the pistol and you know, uh he goes to open the door and the door is opened by Sally, Sally. and he points the gun at Sally, but thankfully Sam's She's turned away and room. Sally's looking at Sam 
and yeah. he like takes that second to go holy fucking shit and he like turns and hides behind the corner and having that breakdown of like i could have almost, almost just killed sally. sally yeah and like how would he have explained it if sally had seen him right right yeah it's just like how close it, it is one of those really screwing stuff up yeah, and it is one of those scenes where it's, you know, in season two, it does have that more dramatic effect of, yeah. like, holy shit, this is playing a toll on him, and, like, this is getting intense. Yeah, and, and we get to really see Barry struggle with, like, his anger. Um, yes. And he's really ashamed and upset that he almost killed her, and you think he's going to go to Fuchs, because I think Fuchs even calls him, doesn't he? I Yes, yeah. And he, like, sends, he bumps the call, basically, and he goes to Gene. And he gets mm-hmm. to tell Gene the truth about Korngal, where he, you know, the scene is set up basically that he and his partner um, were, were standing out in this courtyard trying to solve a dispute or whatever. And a shot rings out and it goes right through Buddy's cheek and he's trying to perform first aid. And he sees somebody that he thinks did it, like shut a door and Barry gets up and goes charging in there with his sidearm, mm-hmm. kicks open the door and shoots the guy like six times in the chest. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of soldiers come in and are grabbing him and are screaming at him that that's just a civilian. The guy that shot him was on the roof, whatever. And so you find out that Barry killed a, an unarmed civilian. civilian. Um, and that's how he got discharged. And he tells, you know, Gene that his buddy Fuchs managed to pull some strings and get him discharged. Um, you know, like an honorable discharge as opposed to like facing charges. Right. And so Gene is really shaken up by Barry's confession. And basically is like, don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> yeah, um, he's like, don't fucking tell anybody. Like, like, yeah, keep this shit to your, like, take it to your grave. Um, but he does reassure him that he thinks that people can change their nature. Because yeah. you get, that's when you really get to see that Barry's really, really bothered by the idea that maybe this is just who I am. Right. And so Barry's like, has some hope because Gene told him people can change. And uh, Barry goes to Fuchs to tell him, like, Hey, guess what? I can change. And Fuchs is trying to tell him, like, don't come here because Loach, you know, you can't come out and tell him that, you know, the detectives are listening in, but he's trying to save Barry. And he comes into the room and just dumps all of the info about killing Moss and this and that and the other. And you're like, fuck, Barry just confessed it all. And yep, uh, he's done. Loach, Loach gets out and basically tells him, like, hey, I've, I've got you. And you're thinking he's going to arrest him. And instead, Loach goes, I need you to kill my ex-wife's boyfriend. And he's, that's the, the stinger at the end is like, what the fuck? I thought that the cops were on him, you know, and that he was caught. But really, this guy just wants a hitman to kill his, his ex-wife's lover. And yeah. so that leads us to probably the, one of the more enjoyable episodes of the whole show, mm-hmm. um, which is called Ronnie Lily. <laughs> and it's literally a, a, a one-day you know, basically like a day and night in the life of Barry and Fuchs. Yep. And, uh, and Barry goes to this guy's house to kill him, but he decides that I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to try and negotiate a peaceful way out. You know, we're, I don't want to kill you. We're going to take you. Do you have family out of state? Right. And the guy's like, yeah, like, yeah Ch- Chicago. Chicago. He's like, all right, cool. I've got a guy out in the car. He thinks I'm in here killing you. So he might be a little aggressive when we go out there, but he, we're going to get you to <laughs> Chicago. I'll get you some money. You'll be solid. Like just stay for like a year. Right. Right. And the guy's like, all right, cool. I got to pack a bag. And he goes into this room and it's a really good, like visual comedy of, yes, you see the, the wall at the, that faces away from the door that has, you know, 
some medals and like a black belt in Taekwondo. And you're like, oh, damn, this guy does Taekwondo. Cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and as the guy comes back and the camera angle changes to show them leaving the room and the, that wall that the door is on. And it's just so many trophies and medals just yeah, coating like, this, this room. This guy's been doing it for a <laughs> minute and he's good at it. And he just kicks the shit out of Barry. Like, beats the fuck out of him, and it's a real struggle. Luckily, the guy is, like, face drunk and he's high. Otherwise, Barry would probably be dead. Yeah. Um, and, and Barry gets a lucky punch in and breaks his windpipe. And so the yep. guy falls down, you know, dead, and Barry's like, all right, shit, well... <laughs> rough i gotta get out of here and as he's trying to leave he hears the front door and there's a little girl there in her like taekwondo gi and and he's like hi little girl like you know trying to talk her down right and she's like daddy you know and she goes running into the back of the house and fuck like go talk to her and he goes and mm -hmm. he can't find her and he comes back to the front of the house the window's open and he's like oh man she must be gone and he just hears growling behind him and he turns around, and it's that little girl just down in, like, a spider monkey squat. All fours. Growling at him. And, and one, of the, one of my favorite comedic lines is Barry going, Oh, 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 I thought you were a dog. And then the girl just absolutely launches herself at him and is beating the piss out of him. Like, he gets his shit rocked by this little girl. Yeah, and it's just and the funniest thing. <laughs> she's stabbing him and shit, and he's fucked up. And she leaves, and he runs out to the car, and is like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm really hurt. And Fuchs is like, alright, well, rough, man, you know? That's when yeah. Fuchs finds out that he didn't kill the little girl. And he's like, well, we gotta find her, we gotta kill her. And uh, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a big conflict between the two of them, is Fuchs is like, yeah, we gotta kill this little girl. And Barry obviously does not want to kill a kid. Right. And, uh, yeah, comedy ensues, they follow this little girl all around the suburb. And uh, while Barry's slipping in and out of consciousness from blood loss, the little yeah, girl she stabs just... him in the back multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. And like Fuchs <laughs> tries to super glue the wound shut and ends up super gluing his hands to the his... car, the steering wheel. <laughs> and he he grabs like yarn and tries to sew up his back because it's like, we can't take you to the hospital. That's too much heat on you. Yeah. And, like, yeah. You, you see him take it off and he's like, see, it looks fine. And he it looks like, good. Breathes. And the stitches just explode open. And he's like, oh, uh oh. And he's like, don't oh, worry, I gotcha, I gotcha. And he's just dumping super glue on him, pushing the skin together. Yeah. And that's when he, yeah, that's how he sticks his hands to the fucking steering wheel. And the little girl gets in and just bites a chunk out of Fuchs' face. Yeah. They make this little girl just a feral monster. <laughs> and they're like, you gotta get out and kill her. And she's sitting on the curb, and Fuchs doesn't believe him. He's like, dude, just go oh, yeah, yeah, kid. And she, you know, Fuchs walks out of the car and walks up to her on the curb, and he's like, hey, you I don't want to sound like a creep. Yeah, but why don't you get in the car with my friend and I? And he's like, I got some corn nuts, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she, and like, it, runs away and skitters up a tree. And then hides on, like, in, like, Spider-Man perches roof. on top of a roof. Yeah, Fuchs says she looks like a gargoyle. Yeah, and then he sits back down. And he's like, "I don't know what that is. That girl yeah, is that girl's from not human. Another world." <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like Barry was like, "That's what I was trying to tell that's, you. Dude, that's what I'm saying, right?" Uh, but so they end up going to a store to try and get um, paint thinner to get Fuchs's hands off the steering wheel. Mm -hmm. And turns out Ronnie is not dead. 
he's just got a busted windpipe and is trying to find like a uh, a neck brace to keep it straight. Yep. And he, Ronnie and him get into a fight in the drugstore. But <laughs> poor Barry is in rough shape, trying to keep heat off him, right? And uh, Loach, the detective, comes running in to kill Barry and Ronnie both. And luckily for Barry, again, uh, Ronnie kicks the absolute shit out of Loach and breaks his neck. And then the cops yeah, kill Ronnie. The cops shoot the shit out of Ronnie and Barry dips out the back of the store. It's like, man, again, there's that dumb luck that, like, it's got to come running out, you know? Yeah. And uh, the so that's the, the solution to that. And then in the start of the next episode, Barry basically tells Fuchs, like, we're done. I really don't want to work with you anymore. This was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um and Sally has rewritten her her scene to be you know truthful. And Barry decides that he doesn't want to talk about you know any of his stuff. He would really like to focus everything into playing Sam. And Gene's mm-hmm. like, you know what? Yeah, that's a good idea. Because again, <laughs> that's he keeps saying. I you know the class doesn't need to know that you killed a man and got away with it. And he right. just keeps repeating that you killed a guy and got away with it. And He's obviously, like, yeah, the, you, you told me. Yeah, you mentioned it. And obviously, the situational irony there is that. Barry also killed Gene's girlfriend, right? Yeah. Barry uh, gives kind of a, a rough start to the scene with Sally and basically asks for a redo. And he puts himself in that headspace where he taps into the trauma of um, Karen Gall at first, or Corin Gall at first, and then starts thinking about the night that he killed Moss. And yep. uh, it's, that's, we get to see a little bit of a different angle on him shooting Moss where we actually get to see his face after he kills her. Mm-hmm. And he just gets really cold and blank, and basically it's like, all right, let's go to work, right? Yep. <clears throat> like this is just part of the gig. Yeah, and it's like, oof, that's <laughs> you know, we—that's the first time we've really seen him act sociopathically, where you're like, rough. That's not. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he was unfazed Something's in the moment. On. Yeah. Um, Barry finishes training up the uh, the Chechens, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, actually, sorry, I, I skipped right over it. Yeah, he, he, he gives a really good performance after he thinks about killing Moss. And so much so that, like, you thought he was choking Sally. Oh, my God. Yeah, in that performance. Because, I mean, the acting was just so good. And, like, you know, going back from, you know, you can tell they're reading the lines and they're putting a little bit of emotion into it. But with this one, it was just real. Sally was like, choke me. And, you know, they, they choreographed it and it just felt so real because he tapped into that mindset and it was just something a little different. And, and he like she throws sold the, the table joke really good. Yeah. And like he throws the table and like, which wasn't scripted. He just improvised yeah. and then started choking. Her. I'm like looking at you and I'm like, is she fucking choking? Is he choking her? her? Is he choking her? And, and, and then, you yeah, know, like, it was, they, they finished the scene and it's like, holy shit, like Barry did it. And again, Barry gets all that praise for like tapping into that. And, you know, my God, that was really well done. And he really is happy with himself, you know, and, um, Barry finishes training the Chechens, like I said, and Hank gives Barry a pin as a gift. Um, and it's in Chechen and it says like, you know, the, your debt is paid or the debt is paid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> Hank's preparing to ambush Esther, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Burmese like mob boss. Yep. And he's surprised to find out that the army has been like, basically sold out by an accordion playing Chechen that they kept, (laughs) like, dunking on. (laughs) Yeah, they kept shitting on him. Yeah, like, will you fuck off with that that accordion? And so it's very, like, 300, where, like, the hunchback sells out the 300 Spartans. Yeah. And uh, 
So they get caught by Cristobal and Esther, and um, Fuchs is really fucking mad about um, Barry blowing him off for Gene. And uh, you see him arrive at the cabin near Gene's ha- uh or in the woods near Gene's cabin. And you're like, oh shit, he's there. And he ends up finding the car that has um, Moss's body in it. And you're like, yep. oh no. You mean and, Fuchs? Uh, <clears throat> yes, did I say Gene? Yeah. Yeah, you said Gene. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. I sorry, think sorry. we covered that part. So Fuchs called Barry saying, like, what are you going to do without me? And they, you know, have this huge falling out. And he says to Fuchs, you have no moves left. Like, you're, I am yeah. your business. You are fucked without me. Fuck off. You're done. And then yeah. uh, Fuchs, we get to, you know, we got to laugh. And he's, like, trying yeah. to search for this vehicle. And he's out in the wilderness. And, like, his lamp dies. Like walking and, in circles and shit. And he's, yeah, getting yeah. stalked by wolves. And he falls down a hill and just happens to stumble upon it. Yeah, um, and yeah, then, it's yeah, not like takes, skill. <laughs> yeah, and then he lies to Gene, saying that he's a detective, that he well, might that's, be on to something. The, that's in the finale. Yeah, that he does that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he because uh, yeah, in episode seven, um, Barry is gonna like the the <clears throat> sorry Sally's um, agent is basically gonna do a a real big play for them. Like we're gonna get a, a nice venue and everything. That's gonna be a real big deal. Barry ends up getting <laughs> getting an audition just off of appearance alone and yeah, that's kind like of a, a pretty major role from what it sounds yeah. like in, in like uh you get the idea that it's like a teen sex comedy you know mm-hmm. yeah it's called like it's called like uh swim instructors or something yeah and uh the bolivians obviously have hank and his men hank almost gets left by all the chechens who like work together one of the chechens who kind of was like barry's star pupil just takes mm-hmm. the lead takes the lead and gets everybody out of the bus that the Bolivians are going to burn uh, with them all in it. And they wipe out a bunch of the, the Bolivians and the uh, Burmese and save Hank at the last minute. And you're like, oh, damn. And Hank really has to deal with the fact that he might not be the leader of the Chechens anymore. Like, he's kind of been taken, pushed to the side, right? Yeah. And then that's when it comes to light that Fuchs, like you said, is posing as a detective, a private detective. And he's going to take Gene to find Moss's body. Mm-hmm. He find that's when... Uh, Gene calls Barry to tell him, like, hey, I'm not going to be at your audition because this guy showed up and here uh, he wants to talk to you. And that's when Fuchs basically tells him, like, they always out of fucking moves, right? Well, guess what? You know, I'm I'm going to take Gene out and show him. He does take Gene to Moss's body and he's uh, calls the cops, basically pretends to be Gene. And it sounds like he's staging a suicide. Yeah. But the cops kind of show up faster than he wanted. So instead, he whispers something in Gene's ear and dips. Um, and Barry comes up, finds you know Gene there, and is like, oh, shit. Uh, and he leans in, and he does something with the body, and then he shuts the, the trunk real quick. And that's the end of that episode. The finale um, opens up, and you're like, okay, what's going on? Gene ends up getting arrested, because, you know, all they know is somebody claiming to be Gene you know, called the cops of confessing to the murder and uh, they let Barry go. And so Barry's really fucked up because right now Gene's taking the rap for the murder that he committed. Right. Yep. And he kind of calls and talks to Fuchs, gives Fuchs the what for, and basically tells him like, I'm going to find and kill you there. The acting class is, you know, under a lot of stress trying to get the, this big theatrical venue um, all worked out. And Sally changes her scene with Barry once they're on stage doing it. Um, where, you know, they've rehearsed it, right? And they had that really good performance. 
And uh, she kind of chokes at the last minute and decides that she doesn't want to be seen as weak. And instead of going with the truth, she like stands up to Sam in this scenario, right? And uh, Barry is really thrown off by it and just kind of walks off stage. And uh, unfortunately for Sally, she's really sick to her stomach about the fact that she lied and all that. And she thought she was going to do something great with it. And uh, everybody loved it. So she's like, yeah, now has to deal with the fact that she lied and all these people believe her story and love her for it. Right. And so yeah, it's that and guilt I, of like being built on a lie. Yeah. And I specifically remember the, the scene of people, you know, because throughout the story, you kind of hear her say, like, I want it to be the truth. I want it to be raw right. and I want it to be me. And, you know, she lies at this last second because of, of a understandable, you know, understandably panic um, yeah. of being afraid to open up. And like, there's people who came up to her after that performance and was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you had that courage. You truly are like giving people who are going through this, like hope, um, and like yeah. a light at the end of the tunnel, giving them, you know, in, you know uh, courage to do, right? yeah, to do what you've done. And it's all built off a sham. It's just a lie. And you really see that toll on Sally because yeah. that's the polar opposite of what she wanted. And she's really been like passionate and sticking to it and like declining roles throughout the story that go against of what she's wanting to do. Yeah. And you know, so Barry goes off and you know, he's really confused on what to do. He keeps calling in with the cops to like check on um, Gene, see what's going on there. And it looks like they're going to book Gene. And at the last minute, they let him go. They act like they discovered something new and they let him go. And uh, Barry tries to call the police to check in again, and they uh, don't answer, so he calls Gene's phone, and uh, Gene's son answers, who uh, he's been trying to reconnect with, and uh, you know, Barry's like, oh, uh, you know, what's going on with your dad, right? And he says, they're letting him go, and he's like, oh, really, why? And he goes, yeah, apparently they found uh, some pin on on the Detective Moss uh, from the Chechens that says, like, you know, the debt is paid, and so you're like, oh, shit, Barry, <laughs> like, oh, man. Barry leaned in and he dropped that pin on him uh, on her, and it's like, yep, that's how he got out, which was and nice. It was like a, <clears throat> that's quick the first time that, move. Yeah, yeah, that he thought quick on his feet and got out of it, and it wasn't dumb luck. It was him like planning or Being you know on smart. the fly. And Noho Hank and the Chechens just roll up on the Buddhist monastery and are gonna like receive the the incoming drug shipment. Mm-hmm. And Hank is really like, I uh, I really wanted to be in charge, and I'm just not. And uh, Fuchs shows up there trying to get protection from Barry and wanting to hopefully get a piece of the pie on this heroin shipment, right? Because uh, he's always just chasing the money. And he ends up trying to broker peace between all three of the gangs and actually does it successfully. Again, in that way that you're like, man, how does Fuchs manage to convince all these people of shit, you know? And it's just and, like, uh, st- like, it was so dumb. And it's like, yeah. it really is. It's like, it, it's believable, but it is kind of like the yeah like this stranger is really coming out and bringing us together like it, it kind of yeah. gives him that mystic to in their eyes that mystic like who the fuck is this guy yeah, just this, coming out this, and bringing yeah. us together yeah he's like a uh you know a wordsmith he just comes out and has that silver tongue and is able to to talk it all down and manage to put himself in the middle of it to maybe get money from all of them right how can i benefit mm-hmm. from this and that's when barry gets a text from noho hank basically saying hey i don't need your help anymore fuchs is here and you see Barry like completely like glass over angry because now he knows where Fuchs is, right? Yep. 
and he gets in the car and goes speeding off. Uh, and he rolls up on the monastery, gets out of the car with a pistol, and you're like, oh, shit, what's going down, you know? And he storms in there uh, and, like, kills most of the gang members. Yeah, like... He goes on, like, a John Wick shooting spree. Yeah. Um, shoots Esther right in the fucking forehead off rip. Right between the eyes. Yeah. And then he chases... He's chasing Fuchs. That's the only reason he's there, but obviously the gang members are all trying to shoot at him. So he's mm. just burning through them. Like, no remorse. And, in fact, the kid that was like... I say kid. The young man that was, like, his star pupil hesitates to shoot Barry because he's like, oh, shit, it's just Barry. And Barry just, boom, shoots him right in the forehead. Yeah. And uh, misses his chance to get Fuchs. And you're like, damn, uh, that's not good. Right? And he just went on the shooting spree for nothing. He comes walking out of the building. And there's a nice, like, visual metaphor where he goes walking down this hallway and the lights go out as he's walking down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, yeah, like the light's gone. He's he's pretty pretty fucked right now, like morally. Yeah, yeah. And the like stinger at the end of the the episode is, you know, Gene laying in bed at home, kind of being taken care of by his kid, and he's reminiscing about Moss, um, and all the good times they had, and he kind of starts dwelling on the fact that he saw her dead body, and uh, that's when he remembers that Fuchs leaned in and whispered in his ear, and you're like, oh man, what did he say to him? What did he say to him? And he whispered to him that Barry Berkman did this. And that's when Gene sits up in bed and goes, oh, my God. And like it makes fucking, sense. Yeah. And like cut to black. That's the end of the season. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. No. Now, now we got to wait. And now we legitimately have to wait for the, this new episode, this new season. Right. But I really like the <laughs> this sounds bad. I like the cynical take uh, at the end there where like the whole season's kind of had the question of like, can people change, you know? And, like, the answer at the end is for Barry, maybe not, right? Yeah, like, he's just so far in this that, and that's just his result, or his go-to for every, like, problem. Like When he gets angry is he wants to go kill. And uh, Obviously, yeah, that just, can't be the solution for, for every problem, but he, right. he treats it like it is. Um, but, then, so, yeah, all in all, obviously, we talked for a long time about it. Really enjoy the show. Um, yeah, and I we skipped over a few things excited. I've noticed. Yeah, um, but so yeah, if there's a little plot hole, I mean, it's just because we're trying to cover literally two seasons in the span of like an hour to an hour and a half. Um, yeah. But yeah, going back to what we were saying before we start talking about it, definitely give Barry a listen. It's or uh, a watch. Um, it's such a good show, and it, it's way too good to pass up on. Yeah, it's one of those where you know it's a prime example of right now we're in a great time for television yes um, where, where i honestly think that some of the best stuff that you're going to see um is on television mm-hmm. where you know i've always thought about the fact that like the mid-budget movie you know like a 40 to 50 million dollar movie kind of doesn't exist anymore you know it's yeah. either a super low budget movie like a five million dollar or like a 150 million dollar movie right that mid-budget went away and i think it's kind of been replaced by like the premier television you know mm-hmm uh, which is why you're getting shows like a Breaking Bad or a Better Call Saul or a Barry. Even Game of Thrones in its early seasons, you know, was really high quality television um, for like a medium budget. Um, so I do. I think, you know, yeah, now is a great time to be watching television. And obviously, Barry is a really good example of that. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to try and move on, uh, try and wrap it up because we have been going for a while. This will be a yeah. bit of a longer episode, which is fine. Uh, yeah. This is our first time talking about a TV show, and it just happened to be one that we both really thoroughly enjoy. So I'll be the first one to say this. Um, 
Yeah, you're welcome for making it longer. So yeah, we'll right. Just, I'll leave that. <laughs> I'll leave that there. You're welcome. Just more of our caramel voices <laughs> lapping at your ears. <laughs> Who doesn't love to hear the sensual voice of Chris? <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, guys, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> All right. Now, what you been thinking about, Chris? I think you meant to say. Welcome back to Chris's <laughs> Cryptid Corner. Uh, I'm welcome still, I was, back! Yeah. Welcome <laughs> back to Chris's Cryptid Corner. I'm your host, Chris. Um, I, I, I did truly try to have... Oh, no, hold on. Sorry, I have my dog with me, and he jumped on my lap. Um, <laughs> Man, fuck that dog. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a sweet boy. Uh, yeah, he's all right. He... Yeah, I was trying to have the intro music done, but it turns out that I'm not that great at making music. Um, you know, sh- big shocker. Uh, so I, <laughs> I'll have that. Yeah, yeah it's still that. pending right now, but it, it will be in the podcast hopefully next episode. But uh, I wanted right. to do a little bit of a different cryptid today. I wanted to talk about the Kraken just because it could be something that's real. Like, obviously, you know, there could be a Bigfoot, but it's just not likely to happen. Um Whereas the Kraken could be almost like a, uh, a like a megalodon, right. you know, something that's just an, an extinct yeah, animal yeah. that you know could maybe still be lingering there. Right, and the ocean would be your best bet at finding uh, yeah. something like that. I yeah, think. I, I'm fairly certain it, it, it's true, but I believe we know more about the moon's surface than we do our own oceans. Um, yeah, which yeah it doesn't surprise me at all. If not, it sounds right. Good. Um, but so I just started from like the top of you know what is the kraken um and the kraken is a legendary sea monster of enormous size said to appear uh, off the coast of norway uh because i was like well where was you know the kraken first seen uh and then i started looking into what does the kraken represent um and it says here you know thus kraken is a symbol of the mystery of the depths uh since the ocean and the water in general is associated um the subconscious and emotion references to the Kraken also speak of your deepest subconscious desires. So I do like that little bit of a twist there of like, it's a little mystic. It's yeah, a little where, mystic. Where there's like a, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, and then looking into it, like a metaphor it looks like in 1835, they actually captured a photo of it wasn't a Kraken, but it was a giant squid that they definitely could have thought um, could have taken out right. some ships back in the day of that time era. Yeah. <clears throat> Because, again, like I've talked about in earlier weeks when you've brought up cryptids, uh, you know, I'm not one for the paranormal, so I do always try and look for the the, the real-world um, answer to, mm-hmm. okay, what what did they see that they thought was a kraken? And, you know, we've seen, we've found corpses of colossal squids. Yeah. Um, we've never seen one in person because they go so deep. But, like, colossal squids are massive. Yeah, they're humongous. Um, you know, even the giant squids that we find, which are smaller than the colossal squid, mm-hmm are very large. So, you know, maybe there was a time when, you know, the oceans were less um, traffic heavy, I guess would be a good way to say it, that colossal squids came to the surface more often, right? And, you know, throughout it, I was really trying to find any stories about it, but they're really, and maybe I just didn't do enough research, I really couldn't find one. Um, But, you know, just from what I've been reading about, uh, you know, leaning more towards science, um, they think the... You know, the strength uh, and the myth of the Kraken became so strong uh, to still be found in Europe. Uh, A lot of modern scientific surveys say um, that of the natural world around the 18th century uh, is when there would be, you know, 
most commonly found. Um, and it nece- it wouldn't, you know, obviously it's not as dramatic as, you know, right. a single tentacle, you know, coming up is knocking a ship apart. But I mean, it's doing some right, damage right. to the sides or to the bottom of it that's causing links to, sh- you know, yeah. sink the ships. Uh, which I think is just so fascinating that, you know, maybe yeah. that is something that's so real. And, you know, it could be like pirates, you know. I, obviously, there are right. pirates back in the day, but it's very exaggerated, like in the Pirates the of the Caribbean, stuff out. like that. Uh, so I definitely think it yeah. falls in that. But it just it's mind-boggling to me that that could be something that has actually happened. Yeah, so, I mean, I, like last week, I talked about it with the, uh, the White River Monster. Um, you know, it could be a case of the big fish where... You know, one guy tells the story to the next guy about how, like you said, you know, the squid grabbed the side of the boat and pulled a board off, right? Mm-hmm. And then when that guy tells the story to the next guy, it's, yeah, this big fucking squid, you know, wrecked a ship. And then the next guy's like, oh, yeah, this giant squid crushed the ship in half with its long tentacle, right? And so it does blow out of proportion like that. And, you know, krakens have been in mythology since, like, the the Greek, you know, so... The idea of, like, you know, the Greeks were seafaring people. So, yeah, they probably ran into stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, that, you know, how do we explain this away, uh, you know, using religion or whatever, and then the, the tale just unravels that way. Yeah. But I know as well as, like, there's a lot of squids that, I mean, will take out, um, you know, whales. Yeah. So, I mean, they have to be, I mean, you know, large enough to take out a whale. You know, they got to be fairly large. You know, that's not just an easy yeah, thing yeah. to do. They're, they're beefy boys. Right. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's what I've been thinking about when it comes to cryptids, just because I think, you know, it's a little more realistic. It's something that could definitely be out there. Uh, so it really you know yeah. blows my mind to the sense of, you know, that, that could still potentially be out there. Yeah, it could be a thing. But what about you? What have you been thinking about, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. No, I was thinking about um, Bill Hader a lot this week, obviously, with us having binged through um, Barry. Mm -hmm. And I knew that he had talked a lot about this film that he and Kristen Wiig did um, called Skeleton Twins. And it's a movie that he's talked about being really proud of. Um, And it's from 2014, and it's kind of a a dark comedy um, where he and Kristen Wiig play twins. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember who Kristen Wiig is from SNL? Yes. Yeah. Um, they always had good chemistry on SNL and they bring that through here. This is like a dramatic comedy, um, where, uh, they're, they're twins who have been estranged for the better part of 10 years. And he plays a a gay man in LA who's trying to become an actor, um, and is unsuccessful. And the film actually opens with his suicide attempt. Oh, wow. Um, and, and so Kristen Wiig also, it cuts to her with a handful of pills, uh, and you can get the vibe that she's trying to muster up the courage to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And she gets a call, answers the call, and it's, hey, your brother is at this hospital. Um, he attempted suicide, but he is okay. And so that's like the, the thrust of, okay, now they're going to have to reconnect because she's the next of kin, right? Right. Um, and so it's him. She brings him home with her. And it's just the two of them trying to, like, reconnect and, you know, um, Bill's character seeing her life and how she's grown up and her kind of getting an idea of where he's at in life. And it's, it's a good movie of they do a good job of being siblings mm-hmm. um, where you get to see them really not get along. And then at times they're just having a lot of fun together. Yeah. Um, and, and both sides of that, they do really well and, and convey that, that sibling relationship really well. Um, 
And I thought it did a good job of being a very, um, like a very down to earth story. It's not like, and in the end, a big lesson was learned and all that. It's just, it, it's like a week in the life of these two people that aren't necessarily their best, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, leaning on each other and things like that. And you get vague looks into their lives uh, and what happened to them in the past and stuff like that. But it is a really good movie. Um, it is hard to sell it as a comedy because there is quite a bit of drama involved. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a very good movie and I was glad I watched it. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. It's, it sounds like Bill Hader is uh, very well at creating pieces that have a little bit more of like a serious tone to them. Right. And I think, um, you know, comedy is good for being like a, a good vehicle into some pretty impactful drama. Right. Where, you know, the comedy kind of lowers the, the force field a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And then when that drama comes in, you've already been, you know, you know loosened up for it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I've been thinking about this week. Do you want to dig into the mailbag? Yeah, of course. Let's see what we got. Yeah, so we got an email from somebody named Chris Collins. And they say, hey, Colin and Christian, I've been really enjoying the show, and I think that you guys have a good thing going. Great dynamic and a very relaxed mindset. I think it would be cool if, like, once a month or twice a month, you guys would have people call in, and you could discuss or debate with them about certain topics regarding pop culture. Uh, also, a movie you guys need to watch that is coming out soon is The Northman. It's a Robert Eggers film, and it's always on. <clears throat> a Robert Eggers film is always on the artsy side, but still really enjoyable. The most recent film of his was The Lighthouse, which was a fantastic film. Yeah, it really was. Quick question. And he tries to he tries to do a thing here, but joke's on him. I get the emails. Uh, he says, quick question for the intro to the next podcast. Christian asks Colin if he prefers e-girls or i-ladies. What is an i-lady? <laughs> That's when i-ladies nuts on your head. Thank you so much for listening to the Simply Warm <laughs> podcast. Uh, I will no longer be doing it. I'm sick and tired of this harassment. <laughs> I am convinced, <laughs> Colin, that you have created this email of Chris Colin. Um, <laughs> no, you no, submitted an God. email yourself, and this <laughs> is uh, horseshit. No, but that's ingenious. Next week, I'll have to do that. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So, yeah, Chris Collins, tough luck, bub. I uh, I get the emails. Christian doesn't. He was he was on your side. He was trying to set me up, and uh, I hit him with the you know reverse. Damn. Um, but wow. he ends on on kind of a, a a lighter note. He says, also another quick question. You can only have one meal for the rest of your life. Which do you pick, steak or chicken? I guess there's... Uh, we'll answer that one first because it's kind of a, a quick one. I think it depends on if I'm able to prepare it several different ways. Yeah, right? I was going to say, I'd, maybe for me, uh, steak, uh, just because you have a little bit of leeway with like, you know, uh, having it rare, you know, medium rare, well done, mm -hmm. all that fun stuff. Um, so I'd get to have a little more fun with that as well as like seasoning it while chicken to me chicken kind of has like that significant taste well with steak you can kind of right. like blend it so my thought process was kind of the opposite where if i'm able to use chicken uh in several different ways i might go with chicken because you could do like chicken alfredo you could do shredded chicken you could do barbecue chicken you know what i mean you could make all kinds of chicken meals, but if it's literally just like, here's a chicken breast or here's a steak, I'm going with the steak. Yeah. 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 I don't know. To me, chicken always has a significant taste. Yeah. Um, thinking about uh, the Northman, oh, you and I oh. both actually yes. really do want to see that. Yeah. When we saw the trailers, 
we were like, fuck, that looks good. And yeah, with it being a Robert Eggers film, you know, he did The Witch, um, which had um, Anya Taylor-Joy in it, and she's also in The Northman. Um, and then it's got uh, Alexander Skarsgård, who's always a good actor. Um, and, you know, and it's nice that he is Swedish and he's playing in a, you know, a Viking film about, you know, a Scandinavian Northman, right? Um, I, I do want to see it. I don't know if it's one that we might talk about on the podcast. I guess it would depend on, um, you know, like you, like, like Chris here said, it does, you know, tend to lean a little bit more artsy. So if it does come off as a little bit of like, it's just two guys talking outside of their weight class about like an art film, you know, <laughs> You're right. We, we might, we might not dig deep into it. We might kind of do like we did with, um, everything everywhere all at once where we, we go, yeah, it was really good, whatever, but we're not going to get all in depth on it. Um, cause neither of us, I think are mentally equipped to yeah. break down an art film. Yeah. But I'm, I'm in love with, uh, Anya Taylor joy. Um, I think she's a phenomenal actress and just all the work that I've yeah. seen that she was in has been nothing but phenomenal, you know, it has been nothing but phenomenal. So I am excited to see, yeah. you know, the work that's going to be going into that. Um, overall, yeah, the film, you know, uh, I saw that uh, William Defoe is in it, um, and yeah. I'm obsessed with him as well. So I, I am very excited to see all these different dynamics and all these you know uh, amazing actors and actresses that I, I already know from previous work um, come together yeah. in something that looks just amazing. And you know, it looks like yeah. that classic brute, you know, I, you know, revenge yeah. story. But then there's points in time where I'm like, there looks like there's something a little more depth in this. Um, yeah, it looks like there might be some Norse mythology yeah, mixed in. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see it. I, we definitely have to go see that in theaters. Mm -hmm. And then when he talks, uh, when Chris mentions, um, like, once or twice a month, bringing, like, having a call in, um, I was thinking, I, I don't know if I want to bring somebody in um, entirely, just because I, 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 I don't know how it would affect the flow, right? Obviously, that'd be something we'd have to test with. Um, but maybe people could submit, like, audio questions. Oh, um, that'd be cool. you know, in place of an email. I, and so then that way, there's still that that you know vocal input from the audience. I'm I. The only thing I fear, I'm not against the idea. The only thing is, yeah, I would rather not get a phone call, and it's just like ten minutes straight of me getting shit on because I'm seeing a pattern. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'd rather yeah, not yeah. be like, oh, Colin, you're great. You know, I love all the stuff you're doing. I expected more Christian. And then that's like the call. Like that would right. really blow my confidence. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And, and also like on a serious note, um, you know, the, the beauty of the email is we get to kind of sift through and find one that we think we could, um, you know, discuss about what if we get a call with somebody and it's just, there's not a lot to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, and maybe and, that's something later down the line we'd be able to do, but I feel like with, yeah, as early as it, as it I mean, is now, this is our seventh episode. All right. Yeah. As, with, yeah. as early as it is right now, uh, probably not, but later down the line, I could definitely see us opening up, you know, that path. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? Maybe if we get some, uh, engagement from Tappahannock, which we still have not. Yeah. T-Town, where you at? Like I'm a, really, I yeah, was really. T-Town represent, you know. <laughs> I was really let down, T-Town. Yeah. If we get some emails from T-Town or some audio from T-Town, we might get a phone call from hey, T-Town, you know. I, I would make the exception for Tappahannock. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I thanks for the input, Chris Collins. Yep. Um, <laughs> I liked the the evolution of that email where it ended on such a you know light question, um, but then you know did mention something that we were already interested in. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, I appreciate that, absolutely. Now again, you know, we do want to thank you guys so much for the attention and the support. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to go on and give us a great review and tell your friends about it. 
Um, word of mouth, obviously, is a big help. So just spread the word, right? Spread us like the plague. Uh, yeah. Whoa, um, wait. <laughs> well, easy, well easy. now, wait a minute. Settle down, settle down. Cough into your, cough into your, cough into your elbow. Um, uh, as well as if you always <laughs> wanted to get a hold of us, you can always follow us on Instagram at Simply Podcast. Twitter is whelmed underscore simply. And as always, you can definitely send in an email at simplywhelmedmailbag at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, next week, we're not sure. Um, we're, you know, it's kind of an in-between week we might look at. Something leading into um, Doctor Strange, because mm-hmm. uh, we'll have Doctor Strange coming up in, in a couple of weeks, so that's exciting. And I believe um, the Thor yeah. trailer will will dr- have dropped by then. Uh, it, it better have. Yeah, it, fingers crossed. Yeah, because we still nothing. Nothing. But I mean, but, worst uh, case scenario, yeah, if we don't have anything to talk about, I figured we could go get colonoscopies and just talk about our experience. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll both go just get get our prostate examined and then come back and <laughs> compare notes. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like no, I was but, not uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I did not he did not buy me dinner first. No, yeah, that's uh, straight to the point. Which is bizarre. I didn't even take my socks yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's everything. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what we do next week. If you mm-hmm. got any suggestions, send them in on Twitter. Um and you know, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next Wednesday. Absolutely. You guys have a good one. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>